segment of Let's Be Blunt with Montal. I'm here with Stephen Satal. Yes. Stephen is working in a very interesting area of cannabis and cannabinoids, and that's working with animals, correct? That is correct. Why don't you explain, talk about your title first off. Right. Yeah, so I'm Stephen Sintal. I'm an RBT out of California, and I'm also a boarded research anesthetist uh, and uh, definitely an interest in pain management for animals as well, uh, and now work for a company called Elbit Sciences. And you've been doing a lot of research on cannabinoids and animals in general, right. not just dogs, but all animals. Right, right. So uh, in general, we have a, a misunderstanding in the medical community, human and veterinary, that there's not a lot of research out there. And, we actually have research in over 25 different species. So, yes, there's quite a, a bit out there, and I'm involved in a lot of it. And you know, it's, what's really kind of funny is that a lot of people who are, are, I say, novices in the cannabis industry are now running around throwing out terms like, I know about the endocannabinoid system, but they didn't recognize the fact that the endocannabinoid system is in almost all mammals. Certainly. All mammals. Certainly. Not just human beings. Why don't you explain what you Absolutely. So we've seen the development of the endocannabinoid system for eons in evolution. We have uh, non-vertebrates, so non-mammal animals uh, from the ocean, have these, these very... Um, Devolved or, or not very evolved endocannabinoid system receptors that uh, were receptive to phytocannabinoids that came from the ocean. So we, you know, obviously don't have cannabis plants in the ocean, but other plants out there that uh, would produce these chemicals, and these animals became receptive to it. And over evolution, we uh, we evolved those particular receptors to the ECS that we know today. Okay, and and just for. People in general. I mean, you know, it, there there is now this big booming pet market in cannabis. But I've said it over and over again. We've done a great job at creating products, but we've done a really poor job in educating the masses. Yes. So why would I even want to introduce my pet, whether it be dog, cat, lizard, whatever, to cannabis? Sure. So there's two parts to that. That, that answer. And, and one is certainly because all mammals have this ECS, they can certainly benefit the same way we see humans are benefiting from phytocannabinoids, uh, from cannabis plants in particular. Um, but we do have to be very, very cautious when it comes to animals because they have different amounts of these receptors that pick up these, these molecules from the plants in uh, heavier or less dense uh, amounts in different tissues, which includes the central nervous system. And so animals can become uh, sick from specific molecules, things like THC at high amounts. Um, and what we what we see, at least in the, the veterinary side of things, is, like you said, a lot of companies jumping into this space, but not necessarily being um, uh, uh, honest or, or forthcoming with their particular uh, concentrations of things like THC, which, um, again, leads to a negative bias against the industry because animals are getting sick from these higher concentration products or they don't have a really good clean product uh, that the animal might be getting sick from. Pesticides, fungicides, and heavy metals, just like we see in people. Absolutely. And so if, if a person wanted to start their animal, whether it be a dog cat again, on a regimen that included cannabis, what would you suggest they do? So my biggest recommendation is talk to your veterinarian first. Uh, what we have seen in the industry is people being scared uh, of talking about cannabis therapy with their vets because of uh, they don't want to be shamed, right? Well, that's almost the, almost the exact same thing analogy that goes through right now with people talking to their vet when it comes to going to their not their vet but going to their their <laughs> yeah. family doctor. Yeah, certainly. And I, I recently uh, 
heard from a young lady who was suffering from malady. I don't want to go into the detail, but you know, she she said to her doctor, "Well, what do you think about cannabis?" And the guy said, "Oh, that's all a bunch of BS." Yeah, yeah. So you know, mainstream doctors still yeah. need to be educated themselves. Yeah, and 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 just to that point, same with veterinarians and veterinary technicians and nurses. You know, that is not something we learned in medical school or veterinary school. Um, so we have that same misunderstanding as well. Uh, but thankfully, we have some major universities like Colorado State University uh, and my favorite Cornell University putting out some clinical safety and efficacy studies uh, with, with showing efficacy and certainly the safety of the use in, in animals. And we certainly have other universities like the University of Florida looking at three different disease states that we see uh, mimicking the human, uh, the human world with oncology, uh, seizures, <clears throat> certainly anxiety studies, and acute pain as well. Good. And and now what's the difference? Is there a difference really with CBD, CBG, CBN, and THC when it comes to animals? Yeah. Are you looking for a broader spectrum? Are you looking for a whole plant remedy? Right. So I am certainly uh, of the full spectrum uh, camp uh, for animals because we do see potentiation or the entourage effect with these molecules working together. It's just finding that right ratio or that right product uh, for that particular patient. You know, I, I often um, make the analogy that cannabinoids or these, these full-spectrum products are similar to nonsteroidal anti-inflammatories. For some people, ibuprofen works really well. For some people, it doesn't work at all. Right. Where other people, naproxen works really well. I think we see the same thing with cannabis products. So, um, you know, we may have to play around a little bit with, with these different ratios. But certainly, when it comes to animals, we don't necessarily want to start with a high THC product, again, just because we get this THC toxicity, this static ataxia in animals compared to, to humans that we don't usually appreciate that. And I, I, you know, I have witnessed myself uh, from a friend of mine who's had a, a, a great dame and had a huge you know, cancerous tumor yep. on that Doctors were saying the dog had less than, you know, three, four, five months to live. And now years late, years later, yeah. after a regimen of cannabis, sure. um, the dog is really still thriving today. Yeah. And yeah. then how do we explain this? <laughs> uh, I mean, we explained it just by saying, well, I told you so. Gotcha. It's the, the miracle of cannabis. Um, yeah. And I think, you know, to the cancer study specifically, we are starting to investigate that in veterinary medicine. Um, LVET Sciences has funded a study out of University of Florida where they were specifically looking at osteosarcoma, so those bone cancers, mm -hmm. and using cannabis to uh, treat it. So I am very, very hopeful that we're going to see really good results. I think we're already seeing good results with alleviation of, of chemo uh, side effects and just quality of life. Mm -hmm. So I think we, we should expect to see shrinkage of things and, and certainly... Um, Good results from those studies. You know, Stephen, now, you know, a lot of states have passed either recreational or medicinal marijuana law, but that's law for human beings. <laughs> you know, talk a little bit about the concern that people should have about treating their animals with cannabinoids, even though it's a, a gray area is an, is an understatement because it's really a no area. It's right. not being discussed. Right. So I think that's a really great question, an important question, especially since I had said let's talk to our veterinarian about using these particular uh, products for their animals. So the conundrum that we have in a majority of states is just as you said, we don't have inclusion of veterinarians into these specific medical practice acts for these states. So it doesn't say they can or they can't talk about these cannabis products, but what has 
perpetuated itself, at least in the media and the legal community, is if it doesn't say anything, it must be illegal, when in reality, if it doesn't say anything, it doesn't say anything. Um, and then we have to also understand what type of product are we using? Are we using a, a cannabis or marijuana product with these higher levels of THC, or are we using an industrial hemp-based product in an animal, which generally, uh, in many states, is considered over-the-counter? So if it's over-the-counter, we should be able to have these conversations freely um, and, and be able to, to do what's called harm reduction with pet owners mm -hmm. uh, on using these, these products safely. So very interesting. Like right now, I have a, you know, a small bleed pet, which is a uh, tiny poodle. And, you know, the little poodles develop, you know, a, a tightening of their larynx in their throat oh, as uh -huh. they get older. So in the last, oh, last year and a half, um, our pet, Mr. Max, has been like, he's just coughs every night. So they're taking a vet. What's the vet do? The vet prescribes him a 10 milligram hydrocodone. Oh, now, yeah. we that are told, cut it in half and give that to him. And, then, you know, I've been giving it to him, but I'm thinking about it. You know, it, it definitely has alleviated the cough at night because yep. he doesn't seem to cough as much anymore as he did. But I'm concerned about it because, you know, that's, that's, a five milligram for a human being, 10 milligrams of hot cocoa is a lot of hot cocoa. Yeah. So now he's only, you know, 14 pounds and taking in five milligrams of hot cocoa. Why couldn't that doctor have had the same conversation with me about giving him just CBD? That is an interesting Yeah, that is a that is an interesting question. And I, I think the main answer is again, they weren't taught about it, and there's been this stigma. Uh, but I think the more important point that you unintentionally brought up is when we are prescribing oral narcotics to these patients, we have a problem of what's called owner diversion. So the owners are actually stealing their narcotics from the patients themselves uh, so that they can get high. So we are contributing to this opioid crisis that we're seeing. And, and I think cannabis is that perfect uh, medication to take that place uh, of these super addictive and, and deadly medications that we are so freely giving out uh, to, to our animal patients. Oh, what do you see? What do you see over the next year when it comes to animals and cannabis? Are we going to have an opportunity to get more experts like yourself out here addressing this issue to the public? Um, I think we will see a lot more uh, uh, cannabis-friendly veterinarians and, and technicians and nurses become more mainstream with this particular topic. I think we had a pretty um, uh, good win. Uh, organized veterinary medicine, similarly to uh, organized human medicine, the AMA, uh, we have the AVMA that put out a pretty damning document last January, and it was just full of incorrect information because it was written by people that don't have practical experience or Correct. haven't seen the same studies that I have or haven't been involved. I haven't figured out that they can make money. <laughs> right. And so they've actually retracted this document, which I think is a great win so far. It's just now cleaning up this mess of... of the information that they spread that was just wrong. So I think within the next year, with all these new studies that we have coming out uh, and people becoming more comfortable with it, I think we are going to see a huge boom uh, and a necessary boom in the veterinary space. Well, listen, you have an open door to come back and talk Thank to us. You must be blunt anytime you want, because I think that's what we need to do is be more blunt and get the information out there. Certainly. Certainly. Thank, you so Thank you so much.
you dealing with best life burnout, constantly striving for more, and quite frankly, over it? Maybe you just want more joy, peace, and laughter in your life now. Well, then let's go. Welcome to your new favorite podcast, Hot Happy Mess, hosted by me, your girl, Zuri Hall. We are celebrating our magic in the middle of life's messes. Don't miss new episodes every Wednesday. Listen to the Hot Happy Mess podcast on the iHeartRadio app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. I'm Larry Michigan, and I'd like to invite you to join Rob Hunt and me on our weekly podcast, The Deadhead Cannabis Show. Each week, we explore the latest cannabis and jam band news and reminisce with other deadheads and jam band lovers about the great musical acts that we've seen and heard. Check out a new episode every Monday. Casts.